The nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. This is Leanne Meyer, and I am so excited to welcome you to this episode of Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. Thank you for listening, liking, and sharing this show with friends you know and um, people that you think would be interested in these topics. Um, There's so much uh, that has been going on with this show. It's been really a lot of fun, and I'm excited to see how much it has been increasing in listenership. So keep sending this out to other people, too. Um, I wanted to talk about this show. The name of our show today is called How to Build a Culture of Caring. And um, when we listen to the news and social media, we hear loudly how chaotic the world is in which we live. We hear that people are operating in a fear-based, dog-eat-dog, short-sighted, and violent version of life. This is the bad news. The good news is, uh, is sometimes heard, but is usually a very quiet version of life flowing steadily under the noise and chaos. The reality I have been registering lately is that the world has always been like this, chaos on one hand and calm on the other. Every generation has had their own version of it. Each of us makes choices all day long, every day, of what aspects of this world we want to contribute to, influence, be influenced by, and which emotional direction we are willing to travel. So many little decisions. Believe it or not, there are a lot of people out there building and creating circles of safety, support, and caring. Similar to the two I talked with last week, Ellie Peterson and Natalie Liu. They were involved with the meditative movements and the reflective nurse. So there are many, many more people like that, and they are accessible to us to connect with, to um, find um, shelter and comfort and be able to give comfort to other people in those uh, situations. Uh, One of the choices I made early in my career was to align myself with people, and especially nurses, who are building a world of hope, courage, and confidence. Again, this session is called How to Build a Culture of Caring. And today I'm joined with two lionesses of this concept, Betsy Stites, my mentor, who joined me on the first episode of Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, and Catherine Todd, who walked into my new orientation for managers years ago. I talked to her for five minutes and I felt like, wow, get out of her way and let her make the world a better place. So we are going to talk together here. Um, Betsy, uh, if you could share, tell us your name and whatever you'd like to share about yourself here. Hi, it's really exciting to be part of this Uh, process with Leanne and to uh, really think more deeply about nursing. I have a uh, bachelor's in nursing from Duke University and a master's from St. Thomas here in St. Paul, Minnesota. I've had the privilege of working in many different nursing areas from uh, public health and uh, OB. OB is my, my real love, actually. 
and uh, and then teaching OB uh, in obstetrics. both obstetrics. In both both other people in, sometimes in, may not use yeah, that term. That's true. Both in uh, Texas and then here in in St. Paul, Minnesota. I've always had a love for nursing uh, ever since I was a kid. So um, it's a real joy to be part of the program today. Great. Thank you. Catherine, uh, tell us uh, about your bulleted journey uh, and what influenced you to take the steps that you did. Yeah, thank you, Leanne. I um, just want to begin by saying how humbled I am at your introduction. Um, I am really privileged to be sitting with you. I consider both of you just wonderful examples of excellence in nursing and I couldn't imagine two people I'd rather have a coffee time chat with (laughs) so I appreciate the um, invitation so I was called into the practice of nursing because I thought that I would like to be a midwife and start to change uh, the practice of obstetrics Uh, I had had an experience um, having my first child and it it, it was not patient-centered and empowering as I, I felt that it could be so I thought, well, I can change my mission in life and, and redirect myself in, in the nursing direction. And I soon found as I entered the profession of nursing and then entered the program at the University of Minnesota um, in my master's degree that we really needed to start to midwife a new way of leading and a new way of thinking about nursing and thinking about the way in which we support nurses. And I, I became compelled and kind of called to head that direction. So I finished up um, that degree and then rolled it into a doctorate of nursing practice from the University of Minnesota. I was in the first cohort of DMPs that uh, received a degree in integrative health and healing, and I feel very honored by that. Um, I then went into um, really more senior level leadership at a, at a local hospital and realized that we have um, business-minded people uh, running much of what we do in healthcare, which is wonderful, but we need a bridge between business and practice. Uh, so one feisty night, I decided <laughs> I could be that. And uh, I started my MBA program and I finished that. So I have a master's of business administration with a specialty in healthcare uh, management, uh, which I have used to uh, try to support creating healing environments, which is my true passion. So I leverage that to uh, really get to what we want to get to as nurses, which is creating healing for the people that we serve. And for me as a leader, that means I am the nurse to the nurses, um, more more than just the patients. Uh, so that's what brought me here. Support the nurses and they will support the patients. Absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of how that goes. Um I do believe that we are our choices. That's actually a quote out of uh, Bridges of Madison County. I'd like to take some credit for it, but it's so concise and it's so clear to me that we are our choices. So what were the main choices you made along the way? And and I think you've kind of talked about it, uh, that gave you certainty that you wanted to create the environment that you wanted to work in. So both of you have done that. And that's especially why I wanted to have you here. So tell me about how you, um, how you did that, how you created an environment of caring and support and all of that. So in, in my um, thinking, when I worked with you, Betsy, I thought of it in terms of a relational business model uh, where people, patients, every single person from the, the newest person hired to the CEO um, all needed to be respected as equals. So tell us about that. When I think about that, Leanne, it really goes back to um, my very 
very beginning of why I went into nursing. Um, when I grew up many years ago, <laughs> um, I grew up in a family that, that really um, was very caring and heart-based. And um, when I went to Duke, it was a Methodist school. Uh, and part of that was around um, service and around uh, really seeing the patient at the forefront. And so it was just natural for me. I mean, that was just how how I went to school. And it was kind of an expectation. And um, I guess I thought, oh, nursing, nursing is always that way. And when I um, looked at the different careers and opportunities that I've had over the years, um, it really has been about how could I bring my passion and my heart to what I was doing. And so it was important to me to select the roles and the jobs that I had that I could flourish in and bring my whole self to what I was doing. So whether it was um, with my first job in obstetrics in the um, delivery room, um, really um, being there with the joy and the miracle of birth every day. I mean, it. I felt so privileged to um, to be part of that. And then when I went um, and uh, looked at, well, what do I want to do next? And worked with the um, public health department in uh, Oregon. And again, had the privilege of being in people's homes and really helping them um, navigate their health care. Um, I'll never forget working with a uh, an elderly man who had a laryngectomy, and he had no family. And it was like I was his link to the world. And when he died, they called me. Here I was, just a young public health nurse, but I was his link. And I again felt so privileged so it's it's always been in the experiences that I've had that really um, link and relationship to others that have been so important uh, and where I've gotten my joy and that's what it's all about is sustaining my joy so that I could have the energy and be filled up so that I could give to others and uh, that's why I feel I have felt privileged to be a nurse actually all of these years because yeah. it's allowed me to give back to others. You know, you think about all the choices in careers or, um, you know, anything that you could do. To me, it's the, the one career that it, it doesn't even, I, I hate to say it doesn't matter what I get paid, but I would do the job even if they didn't mm-hmm. pay me. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt. I can remember running up the stairs two at a time and feeling and they pay me for this Mm -hmm. and then there were plenty of times when I was stomping up the steps and saying they don't pay me enough for this right right yeah so um Catherine let's go to you I know that you have focused on your uh education so that everything you're doing is around that concept of supporting and health and environment that is is um functional as opposed to any many healthcare situations can be quite dysfunctional. Absolutely. I think um, some of the dysfunction is actually what kept propelling me toward leadership. So I can thank some of my mentors <laughs> who, who created cultures of eating their young and who created um, really a hierarchical environment um, in a very uh, thought-based um, 
approach versus relationship and heart-based approach um, because it, it made me want to fight the system mm-hmm. and, and be a champion. And I thought, you know, well, I could do that. I, I came into nursing in a little bit different way than Betsy did. Um, I was born in the 60s. Uh, so I had a mother who was just an incredible role model, and she had worked very hard and fought very hard for her daughter to have the right to choose any profession. And when I told her, you know, I I, I had an intended to be an attorney, a family law attorney. You're kidding. No. <laughs> I, yeah, that's where I was going, because I didn't think they were doing that very well either. I thought we well, could be more family-centered, right? Yeah. That was quite a detour. <laughs> Well, I can thank my oldest son uh, for that detour. Uh, he's now a practicing physician. So he's he's followed the path of into medicine as well. But he really changed my life. Um, I realized going through the whole journey, um, being a new mother and having him, that there's so much we could have done in those mm-hmm. obstetrical mm-hmm. units to really ignite the passion and the bonding for, for parenting. Mm-hmm. And if we did that, then couldn't we just change the world? So I'm probably naive and optimistic about that. But I thought, well, we need people to start changing that environment. So I went back to school to finish nursing. And when I told my mom, you know, I think I want to be a nurse. She said, why would you ever want to be a nurse? We fought so hard for you to choose Mm. something other than being a teacher or a nurse. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, because you taught me to be a strong woman who could choose anything that they were aligned with. My purpose and my passion is aligned with this. Mm -hmm. And she said, okay, well, I can accept that. But just then just be a doctor. You know, I think that feels better. And I said, uh, you know, really, when you look at the goals of nursing, that is based on a relationship. It's based on having the time, not diagnosing and treating. And again, you know, I adore my son and he's an amazing physician. And I love his creative mind and how it gets to work diagnosing and treating. But somehow the journey, especially when you go into obstetrics and you have eight to 10 hours Mm -hmm. with... supporting and loving and caring and nurturing this woman through the most incredible journey of her life to Mm -hmm. have a new life enter and sometimes sadness that Mm -hmm. needs healing. Um, I just thought that is in alignment with who I am and why, why I came here. And so in entering, I was very naive. And I think that each or young culture that I stepped into after school really surprised me. I thought, how do how are we coming into a caring profession and then experiencing this? And then how will I survive? Because I am such a strong, passionate person, and this is about to eat me alive. And I then decided that wasn't acceptable, and we needed to change. And if, um, you know, if not me, then who? So I, I followed Gandhi's, you know, anthem. And I decided to be the change that we wanted to see in the world. So that's how I got started on this leadership path. Yeah, it's, um, uh, I had a train of thought there and it, it disappeared. On me. Um, that whole idea of, uh, I also had that feeling of, um, I wanted to really ch- uh, make a better place than what I was in. And when I came out of nursing in the 70s and 76, it was that same concept of, I will trust you when you show me you're worth trusting. 
And I, I just couldn't understand it. And then as I, you know, went on and went to different hospitals, I thought, well, maybe it was just this one hospital. So then when I was working in um, human resource development, I wanted to do something. I wanted to actually take this on. And I found quite a bit of things that have been written about uh, the concept of nurses eating their young. Turns out it was not that one hospital. It was not Minnesota. It was not the United States. It is all around the world in every country have had that concept of nurses eating their young. And I'm sure, you know, maybe doctors eating their young too. I don't know. But um, I just, I couldn't understand that. And I kept thinking if we can just bring it to light, have people see it, they will also want to change it. Uh, It took a little more effort than that. But um, we will uh, go into talking a little bit more about that when we come back from break. Um, It was actually Betsy that was one of the people that I had the fortune to be able to learn from, uh, starting out on OB and watching how she taught nurses to interact with patients in the most supportive, calming, um, just loving caring way and she did that by caring for the students that she was working with who then cared for the patients. So um, we're just getting started uh, in this discussion about how to build a culture of caring and my guests are Betsy Stites and Catherine Todd. Um, We're going to continue talking about this when we return in just a few minutes and go further into this topic. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What causes us to be sick? We're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses. We're talking about your body and health. Listen for the healing whisper of Return to Peace. Each week, host Dr. Marianne Chase shows you how to listen to your heart to identify poor health, stress, and disease. You'll learn how to heal energetically and spiritually as well as physically. It's time to depend less on the drugs and more on the heart. The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. 
To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Thank you so much for hanging in here and continuing to listen to our program on how to build a culture of caring. I've got two experts with me, Betsy Stites and Catherine Todd, and uh, it, it's uh, really a conversation that I feel deeply about, and I know that these two people feel deeply also. So um, on the break, we were having a little discussion. I'm going to turn it right over to Betsy and let her uh, pick up from where we were. During the break, we were talking about the fact that I had been talking about how caring and compassion uh, is such an important component of nursing and needs to continue to be at the forefront. However, that doesn't mean that nurses shouldn't be advocating and speaking up for themselves. Um, it's a real fine balance, and and it they both have to be there in order for the patient to get the um, best care and the best outcomes they can do. And unfortunately, it doesn't always happen. I mean, lots of times, nurses, well, we hear about burnout, we hear about stress. And if the leader isn't there really to be that barrier buster, that advocate, and represent nursing at the highest level, nurses can't function effectively at the bedside. And Catherine, you've done such a fantastic job in your career, really setting up leaders to be the best that they can do be, and also expecting leaders to be that advocate that needs to happen. So talk about some of the things you've done, because so, I think you're just an exemplar in this whole area. Oh, thank you, Betsy. I really appreciate that. I think um, it truly is just the passion for wanting to create a healing environment for our staff, our nurses, in order to be the healers that I think they were called into this profession to be. And I would say if you're a nurse and you're listening and you were called into this profession for a title or for a salary, um, there's probably something better out there and there's probably something that would fulfill your purpose more because really we are in the art of healing. Uh, at the core of what we are, which means that we as role models and we as leaders have to be the healing presence and we have to create those environments that support that. So I think one of the um, most rewarding and exciting examples for me is really having the opportunity and the invitation to come in to help lead a team that had had um, some some negative uh, experiences with, with leadership. And they were really um, showing the strains of... Uh, burnout um, very, very uh, clearly um, in, our, in the patient satisfaction scores, in the staff engagement scores, um, also some of our quality scores, and really high turnover, high dissatisfaction. And those are all the signs that we've got burned out nurses. So um, I tend to be very optimistic, which has served me well. I believe that that team had had everything that they needed to be great. Uh, we just needed to create the space for them to do that. And that, that might require some healing. So in going in, um, I actually was finishing up my doctorate and I had done a research project at another institution and was nearly finished with it. And when I went in, I realized I needed to redo my doctorate uh, thesis. And, You're and my kidding. Studying, no, After all. <laughs> no. I know. Oh. 
So I started over. Oh, my um, Lord. Because what they needed, you know, when you learn, I, I learned a process called Theory U from Otto Scharmer. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend it to any of you who are really trying to work on how do we get to the right outcomes. Um, the Theory U, in a nutshell, is suspend all your judgment. What you think you know, let it go. Just let it be on the outside. Be open and willing to then co-create with the, the team that you're on and, the, and those that you're serving to see what needs to emerge as the right answer. And it was very clear to me coming in, you know, in 2011 to this team that what needed to emerge was healing our healers. Very simple. Uh concept, but it was going to require a lot of work on a lot of levels. So I got busy on that. Um, I switched my doctoral project from the University of Minnesota to um, study how to help support um, mindfulness and mind-body skills for nurses, because I knew that the mind-body skills work had been so effective in helping people who were suffering from, you know, burnout and, and lack of joy mm-hmm. um, and stress in their in their jobs. So we did a nine-week mind-body skills course, and I had someone come in and, and teach that who was an expert. And then studying the pre- and post-metrics um, saw statistically significant results in this team. Um, they had perceived stress scores that were dramatically improved. Joy at work, that was one of my most fun cool. metrics that, cool. that was marketedly changed. The only thing that didn't change um, in all the metrics that I studied was what was coming at them as nurses didn't change. But how they perceived it and how they dealt with it did. And I felt like that was an exciting um Turns. So we continued to offer different mind-body skills. I offered integrative therapies just to the staff. Um, within a few weeks of being there, I knew that we needed a healing space. There was really very, very little even optimal healing spaces at all. So I converted my office, painted a wall, some nice natural colors. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Put up on the wall. It's not the days we remember. It's the moments. Put in a little water feature and some chocolate. Never heard of chocolate. <laughs> And then just kept my door open. And I would do things like clear my calendar for an hour and put up a sign saying, you know, I'm a nurse and I need to care for you. Um, it's part of what gives me my energy. So can, I'm doing hand massages from noon to one. Please come by. And and I was shocked at how many people would come. And they would you know, often cry. And it was one of the first times they'd ever been loved by a leader. Wow. And I started using those wow. love languages. Cleaned out another office. We bunked together. Um, those those that were with me on the journey remember doing this. Um, and we made a, a renewal space. So I looked at my family and I said, I'm going to use our road trip money to um, get a massage chair. So we, again, painted the walls. Um, a nice healing color, put in natural lighting, some aromatherapy. We put in a Muslim prayer rug and, you know, designated Mecca for those that would want to go in there and use their spiritual practices, but also just a renewal space and a a massage chair for people. And invited them in and said, I care about your healing. Please take time to do that. Let me know if you need me to come out and support you doing that. And then we started morning huddles. Um, And the first time, you know, I said, you know, everyone's, it's required going to do hand off. Everybody needs to come. What's to a huddle? huddle? A huddle, I'll, I'll tell you. It's not what you think. So I <laughs> said, like cuddle. It's, it was cuddle. They called it cuddle. The cuddle Did time. They? Uh, <laughs> many people would call it cuddle time because um, I would, uh, I gathered the teams together, the, the off-going shift. So at 7 a.m., I said, you know, from 7 to 7.05, I want everyone to come together. So we had this big, large team, you know, there may be 20 or 30 people working at any given time 
of all of our um, different employees' skill sets. And, and yet we could get so busy and never see each other. And you think about the power of relationship and the power of support. And if, if, if we're not focusing on healing, who is? Mm-hmm. If we just get busy trying to get ourselves into the patient's rooms and out, um, we are going to take ourselves just dragging our bodies and our minds through the experience. So I would do five minutes um, and do a a guided imagery or relaxation. I started with our Tibetan singing bowl. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, dong. (laughs) Then we'd breathe. I had my eyes closed listening to um, kind of my intuition on what needed to emerge that day and then often asking them, you know, what word are you holding? Uh, And they'd kind of say a word and I'd invite them to um, kind of assess, is this a word you want to hold? So people who said, you know, happy and things like that, you know, what are you going to do to support that word all day? What's that going to look like for you as you start to take care of the others? Cool. And then when they had a negative word, if you feel that that is a word you don't want to nurture all day, how are you going to release that in what you do? So we'd spend five minutes and it was a hundred little things like that over the course of a month, two months, 18 months, 24 months, three years that changed this environment and invited these incredible group of healers to heal themselves with the support and the allowance and the invitation to do that. And they have become the most incredible, strong team. This group of women is phenomenal. I say women because there aren't any men on this unit. We invite them to come. So any men who want to join them, I'm sure they'll be welcome. But they, they have turned into this 200-strong group of nurses and nursing assistants and supportive staff, hucks, leaders that truly know what healing looks like internally, externally, and how to reflect that back to the patient's experience. And so, of course, not doing anything else, we saw patient experience scores improving. Mm -hmm. We saw our engagement scores obviously improving for our our staff. And then we saw quality improving, right? Because we're setting the bar higher. We're not mandating the metrics and, and following our, you know, business model. We are inviting through the heart healing to occur and we're setting the standard of what love looks like to the highest level we possibly can and shouldn't we all be striving for that Mm -hmm. so anyway it was just a privilege and an honor but those are the small little things you can do all the time i'd put up lemonade stands and i did a bake sale where they had to like the price of your bake sale item was um, a random act of kindness and then they'd come around and tell me you know the next day what their kindness was for their brownie that they had but that's so cool, um, Catherine. I mean, it's it's really think about the creativity and the the opportunity, and as you say, a hundred little things. And they weren't huge things, but they were an, a leader really saying these are important. And I know you talked about um, the bar being being raised, but I'd say the bar was widened and the bar was deepened. Mm-hmm. That's um, a good point. Because it's it's the whole it's the whole mm-hmm. um, that you're really talking about, and um, that that just makes me think about um, the leaders that haven't had the courage to step forward in this way. Because frankly, I'm going to I'm going to take it. Um, to think that if I if people go into nursing, they go into nursing. I'm sorry for the heart of it. And I know maybe that's not always true. But um, I'm kind of Pollyanna. And so <laughs> somewhere in there for every single person in nursing, there is heart. Mm-hmm. And so it's about bringing the heart out. And I, 
I think that's that's something that I would really encourage uh, our viewers as they're thinking about their role and where do they want to work next, the need for them to assess their leader uh, when they're going to have an interview or go for a job. It's not just being interviewed, you know, themselves. It's about they need to interview the culture of the organization, they need to interview for the leader of the organization to really know if that leader is coming from a holistic standpoint. That's part of part of what I do when I work with, with people in my um, practice um, as a consultant right now, a life coach. Um, it's really helping people know, okay, boy, is that somewhere I'm willing to give my skills and my heart and my who I am, and if not, they need to find someplace else so that it's the right fit. And I think that is so important. The other thing that that comes to mind for me when I was listening to you is, you know, nursing leaders have a tough job. Hmm. They have to uh, advocate for their staff, but they also they also have to um, think about um, how they can demonstrate the ROI the return on investment because, you know, it, it's kind of like no margin, no mission. If an organization isn't um, able to thrive, um, they can't be there very long. So, so, and I think you've had a lot of opportunity to think about that. So that's, that's a whole area. How do we help leaders balance that and think about the ROI and also staff need to think about that? I'd like to jump in here because I know you had said <clears throat> something in one of our other conversations about as a leader interviewing a new person coming in, there were some things that you felt the leader needed to get out there, not make the interviewee try and figure out, yep. but as the leader to present to the person. You want to talk about that? Absolutely. A couple I minutes. Yeah, I couldn't agree more that we need to inspire nurses that are listening Um, to really interview for culture and right fit. If you don't want um, to perpetuate a negative leading environment, you have to take a stand and demand that you deserve better, which means you really should be Mm -hmm. culture fitting yourself into an organization. And that does start many times at the interview process. Um, as a leader myself, one, I am uh, I come from a servant and share leader, leadership model that's just kind of fundamentally who I am. So I, I always panel interview. I panel interview everyone. I will have an incredible group of uh, people on a team, and we panel panel interview for every every position. Mm-hmm. There is no position in my team that is less than or greater than any other position. Every single person um, creates the culture, and mm-hmm. everybody needs to um, um, be put through the same kind of um, deeper dive into who they are and what their core purpose and value is to the, to us and to nursing. So I think one thing that um, is important is really stating, uh, you know, what you believe in, what your mission, vision, and values are. Mm-hmm. Authentically have that conversation, and then have a conversation back from them that helps you to really see for, from their perspective what their own personal mission is. And in doing that, it really helps us to set. Um, common ground, common expectations to ensure that we're aligned. And that doesn't mean you everybody has the same skill set and everybody has the same EQ or same approach to something. It just means that the direction that we're headed, our true north, 
is headed towards something more positive and um, more empowering uh, to to the team. And you use your skills as you need to. Mm-hmm. I um, also see one of the things you had mentioned was as a leader in an interview to actually come forward and say to the interviewee, this is my um, this is my plan going forward. This is what I believe in. Mm-hmm. I believe in um, uh, uh, cohort nurses helping each other, mm-hmm. caring for each other, and supporting one another. And you know whatever else is part of that. I expect um, employees to treat each other better than family because oftentimes, as a family, we don't always treat each other very well. <laughs> and we probably uh, spend more time with each other than mm-hmm. we do right. with our family. Definitely do. And we and that in that, just in in how we interact with each other will play out in how we interact with patients and what patients hear when we're out at the desk or mm-hmm. um, they're listening. Mm-hmm. And if they're hearing us arguing with each other or frustrated or whatever it is that they're hearing that doesn't sound positive to them, um, that's going to be their impression. So we need to go to break. I hate to have to break in here again, but um, w- this is once a nurse, always a nurse. And we are talking um, about how to build a culture of caring. I'm here with Betsy Stites and Catherine Todd and positive leaders in nursing uh, who have changed, changed their own lives and uh, many other people who have chosen to be influenced by them. So we will be coming back shortly. I hope that uh, you're listening and that you're getting as much from this as I am. So we'll be back in a couple minutes. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. There is a difference in health and wellness programs. There can be mainstream programs, and then there is something extra. That something extra is called tips to keep you healthy, happy, and motivated with your host, Kristen Harper. If you want to hear some behind-the-scenes talk radio when it comes to health and wellness, the why as well as the how, be sure to tune in each week. This show will inspire you to be healthy and happy for life as well as become the best version of yourself. Listen Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Like many of us, do you feel constantly tired or run down? Weight gain, sugar addiction, stress, and other health issues wear down our bodies and our spirit. You can take control of these and get yourself back on track. Tune into Living Life Naturally with host Lynn Wadsworth. Lynn can help you lower or get rid of migraines, help you maintain a healthy weight, deal with hormone imbalances, and more. Listen live every Friday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. What does health look like in an ailing world? How do we tend what needs our care? Join Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio hosts each week as we explore pathways to health for self, society, and the planet. We are home to a range of voices as there is no single roadmap for meeting the challenges of our times. Tune in Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific and 5 p.m. Eastern Time to expand your perspective, deepen your attention, and cultivate practices that support personal, communal, and global health on Voice America's Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Thank you so much for coming back. And again, I I feel like this time is just flying by. Um, We want to continue talking about how to build a culture of caring. And we've been talking with Betsy Stites and Catherine Todd, who are um, exemplary leaders in this area. So I know we can learn from each other. I wanted to talk on a more personal level how we've actually used this in our career. And I was thinking about a situation when I was working in obstetrics and um, we were having a difficulty with um, the uh, anesthesia- anesthetists and anesthesiologists that would come up to do, um, if we had a baby that uh, had meconium, they would come up and help to um, get the baby um, suctioned out and get the baby going in a good direction. Uh, and we found that um, the anesthetists, we felt as the OB nurses, that they were um, very cold and angry. It seemed like they would come up and they were just started shouting orders at us. And um, most of us got to the point where we sort of set them up in the room and left because, you know, it, it, one person, of course, had to stay with them with the baby. But um, it just was so uncomfortable. And so at one point I decided uh, that there must be some way to resolve this problem. And so I asked my manager if we could have a, like a committee of a few people from the OB department and a few people from the anesthesia department. So the first time we got together and each of the six people talked about what their experience had been, it was apparently a mind-blowing experience. The anesthetist had no idea that we were perceiving them as being angry and um, lashing out. And uh, when they started talking about us, they said they felt like they were getting no support, that they were like the guests coming into our uh, comfort area and that we were leaving, (laughs) and we were, um, and that they felt like they were on their own and, and felt frightened. And so once we got all of that out and we started talking about, we started talking about, well, what can we do to make things better? Came up with some ideas and choices and all of us said that we are going to be so happy to have you come and we're going to show you that. We're going to stay with you and and work with you. And they said, well, what we will do in return is that we will be very positive and thankful and and positive with you also, uh, grateful for you calling us and and that we can come and, and help you out. And so that's what happened. We actually uh, disbanded. That was it. It was that one meeting. Um, We never did end up having to get together again because we realized that we could talk with each other. We didn't have to make that negative judgment. We could make a positive judgment and work off of that. Based on that, we each were um, kind of stroking each other's back, and that became a positive feeling. And so it continued, and the patients noticed it too. Cool. So, um, Betsy, do you have one you'd like to share? Yeah, I it, it's, I was listening to you, and, and what came to me, Leanne, was an experience I had uh, when I had transitioned into more of an organizational development or um, training role, still within the HR department. But uh, I remember when we had 
two areas. We had expanded and there were now five hospitals that had come together to create a system. And the organization decided that they were going to close down one of the services at one of the hospitals and focus it in another hospital. And the nurses were having to vie for roles. And they also, um, it was going to be, end up being a little smaller. So there was a lot of angst and, oh my gosh, it was really tense. And you can imagine some of the emotions that, that had gone on. And so what we ended up doing so that there could be a connecting and a bridging and more of a positive transition, I brought them together and we had a ceremony. And we actually, I brought a little black box that was the kind of the um, casket, casket, if you will, <laughs> if you know what a casket is, or some place to put, to put, um, feelings and concerns and had everybody had post-it notes and everybody put either the feelings that they were sad about because a lot of it was around grief. Some were anger, um, but a lot of emotions. And so they put them in this box. And then we had an opportunity to really talk about what do we want to take forward what are the traditions and the joys that we want to incorporate into this new unit um, that would really honor and reinforce the good things in the heart that we had and how we were going to take care of our patients? Because lots of times uh, people don't get to talk about their emotions. And what happens is it comes out sideways. It comes out at home. It comes out in all different ways. So looking at how we can really help people show up the way they want to, show up in their humanity so that they can really care for their patients the way they would want to be cared for and the way that really linked back to who they were from a nursing standpoint and from uh, that heart-based center. And uh, it was a real healing process. You know, as you were talking about healing before, Catherine, it really is all about healing. Because if I'm not healed, I can't give the best that I can give to patients to uh, help them feel, experience that healing process. So that's what came to me when I was listening to you. Catherine, can you, uh, do you have one you could share? Sure. I love that story. And I had thought of um, a similar pebble in the pond kind of ceremony that we created when we were trying to um, help renew this team that had a lot that needed to be let go mm-hmm. of and a lot that we needed to take forward mm-hmm. um, to become our highest selves. So I think um, I had heard your uh, story years and years ago, and it, it really called to mind some of the things and the influences that, that I've put into place. So thank you. So I'm not going to share that story. <laughs> I'll share the original version of that story. So I think what I want to do is just share something that's just deeply personal because, you know, I think about ritual and I think about healing and I think about creating sacred spaces, right, for our patients. And if I were going to give one pearl to our nurses, it is that they have to go inward and create an internal sacred space and create healing daily in themselves to keep connecting back to their purpose. If they don't do that, they are or are going to miss achieving 
what they could achieve in the, their profession and themselves, you know, as a, per, as a person, to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest. And so the story that um, really comes to mind when it relates to just something deeply personal, I remember, um, you know, ha- I was pregnant with my fourth child and I was in nursing school and uh, really struggling <laughs> Because I felt like I was half of a mother, half of a wife, you know, half half of a friend, half of a student. Like, how how can I be all things to everyone, right? And I think that is what a lot of nurses feel like they're they have to be all pulled, things to everyone, pulled in all kinds of directions, right? And and I was sitting in class, and it was one of the ologies, like physiology or anatomy, <laughs> one of those things that really are, were pushing your brain. And I just got this peace that washed over me, like just now, just be here now. Like, and it, and it wasn't something I learned. It wasn't, it was just this piece that washed over me. Just be here now and do this well. And in doing that, I really started to focus on being fully present and being mindful of every moment. And I realized like I could be that full-time student and I, I didn't have to study extra because I was fully present when we were at, so then I started to have a little bit more time freed up, right? And then when I was fully present with the children, I was really doing a, a really nice job at, at being a quality um, influencer. And so I didn't feel like I was halfway doing it anymore. And so on and on that went. So I, I would say for me, if I had one piece of advice is figure out what it is that you need every day to connect yourself to purpose and tap into your intuition, don't be afraid of that intuition. It'll lead you and guide you into those places that you need to be and find a practice or two or three and do them every single day. Um, that Those things that help you connect back. And for me, it looks like, you know, 15 or 20 minutes worth of a morning ritual yoga, which I'm not a yogi. So if you were to watch me do this, it would not be flattering. At the same time, it connects me and I set my intention for the day. And then I spend my very long commute in the morning really in mindful prayer over what what is it that I want to impact today. And then I do my ritual with my team, right? I'm doing the singing bowl and we're we're breathing and then through my password is always something that's a spiritual lesson for me so I have to type in this very long password because I have very deep spiritual (laughs) and it helps me every single time to ground myself and then I think of moments where and when I enter a door in a new room in a new space what am I leaving behind before I go through that threshold and what am I bringing in and drawing in and and inhaling as I enter and then just being mindful of that and so I have all of these little practices that I do to nurture myself all day and then I recklessly am in pursuit of seeking joy and joy will lead you um, into some dark spaces because sometimes joy is that moment where you're sitting with somebody who Mm -hmm. has received terrible news and your hand is their lifeline and in that, there is joy for the, the blessings that we have to be supportive of people. Sometimes it looks like being with wonderful friends and, and hearing Betsy laugh. <laughs> that brings me joy. Yeah. Um, but, but finding that all the time and not spreading ourselves so thin and giving away so much that we don't mm-hmm. have enough replenishment for ourselves mm-hmm. and that we stay young and we stay vibrant and we stay connected to our true purpose. And so you're going to have to find your own practices. But I would say do it. Don't wait. And it may be, you may have to have a dozen like I do, small ones that are internally driving you every single day. Do them and and, uh, follow that 
I can really relate <clears throat> to what you're saying, Catherine. Um, I grew up with kind of a feeling of not enough, never enough. No matter what I did, it was never enough. And, you know, I, I felt like that was coming from outside myself. But as time went on, I realized it was really I was saying it to myself over and over again. And uh, it created um, a place of uh, there was never a space. There was never a time to enjoy uh, because it, you hadn't reached enough, you know. I'm somebody who makes lists and, you know, probably 25 things that are impossible to happen in one day. But if I couldn't get to the end of it in the day, I would, instead of praising myself and celebrating for what I did get done, I would um, lament the things that didn't get done. And so I really had to teach myself to let go. It was okay to let go of that negative language. And it was like I had heard that so much in my head for so long. It seemed right. It seemed the right thing. And when I would have times when I would be upbeat or whatever, or felt like I'd really done a great job, uh, one person saying something negative put me right back. They're right. They're the ones to know. No matter how many people have told me wonderful things about myself, that one person knows me. I fooled everybody else. And so it was quite a journey to learn to let go of that voice and train a new voice to seem right, to seem okay to have. And then coming back to those choices, I began to realize in any environment, I could look and I could see something bad about it, or I could look and I could see something good about it. And I had that choice. Yeah, I, I love that, Leanne. Um, it, it reminds me of, of kind of a funny story about choice and on the journey um, of getting to this place where um, I'm just mindful daily about it. I have quite a long commute, I think. Um, and in the pressure of getting home, you know, I, it would feel very frustrating in the middle of rush hour traffic to be in, in traffic and then to feel like my children needed me or I should be at a conference. or And one day in particular, um, I was feeling a lot of pressure to get to the other side of town. And we were in gridlock. We were literally just sitting there on Highway 94. And my sunroof was opened and we had been to a wedding that weekend. So I had a little bottle of bubbles. And I opened up the bubbles and started blowing them out the sunroof, frustrated, not not happy bubble blowing, but just like, gosh, I can't believe I'm stuck in traffic again. And then all of a sudden I noticed, you know, in my rear view mirror, the person eyes smiling behind me. Like, I wonder what she's so happy about. We're stuck in traffic. Blow more bubbles. Next to me, the people laughing, the front front of me. Then I noticed the cascading bubbles just coming down around the car. And I realized this is uh, hilarious. Like, I realized I have been blowing bubbles and they're all over the highway now. So, of course, we were all in, in that whole vicinity making the choice to find joy. And in that moment, there was something very poignant for me in the fact that something like potential, like a bubble potential with just air, just potential, could help us choose the difference between having this be a joyful moment and having this be a really negative moment. And so I realized the choice is so powerful, even in the moments of just pure frustration. And you think about, I I would commute probably 15 hours, 10 to 15 hours a week. 10 to 15 hours on our bodies. Think about the stress if I'm in a negative place all the time. So now I really commute and I'm a very happy commuter because I feel privileged. I have a lot of gratitude. I choose to find the beauty around me as I go. I choose not to let things frustrate me. If I'm late, I'm late. I don't worry about it. I, you know, I do my best. Um, and then I show up with joy. And then that's what impacts not only my own health and well-being, but those around me. And that's 
you know, Leanne, during break, you said, well, what if you could share one thing? And I'm listening to both of you because, well, dadgummit, Catherine, you stole my one thing. And, <laughs> and but, but, but because it was about being, being present. That's all we can do. We cannot, we don't know what the future really is going to be like. And we've already lived in the past. And so you only have the current presence. But as I was thinking of thinking and listening to both of you, what it all comes down to me about is believing in yourself, believing in who you are and your personal heart center and what you can bring and choosing to show up, show up every day Absolutely. in that way. Great way for us to end. And I am so sorry that we have to end. Um, I just wanted to thank both of you for coming here and sharing this. This has been great. Maybe we'll have to think up another topic we can talk about. Thank you all for listening and for being here on this exciting episode of Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, in which we've been uh, talking about creating a work world supportive of nurses and our patients. If you missed some of the program, please visit my host site on voiceamerica.com, health and wellness, and click on the podcast for October 16th. Uh, The next program I'm going to be having will be uh, talking with two men in nursing. Uh, 80% of nurses tend to be women, but those 20% are men. And so we are going to talk with uh, Sean Waldron and Samuel Sampson, uh, both nurses who have taken their career in a direction uh, that has best utilized their individual gifts. Should be interesting. I look forward to having you all join us again. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.